ladies and gents, boys and girls, and welcome back to Sports with the Dorks. I am Money Mirror, Moolah Mirror, whatever you want to call me. I am missing CC, do you love me, and save the kid today. I know it's been a while. I know we haven't spoken in a long time, but I promise, I promise we'll be back. Most consistent podcast on the internet right here. So... How you guys doing today? Y'all doing good? I am. Today is a great day. Just came off a win last night. It's victory, what, what, victory Friday. Should be Victory Friday, but today is Saturday, so I'm tripping. But let's let's get started with these Eagles, man. These Eagles are one and two, four and one, two, four and one. It's been really disappointing. Highly disappointing, actually. It makes me upset just to think about it. We we came so far from playing in January and February and expecting that to be the new norm. That was over three years ago, and honestly, it's time to get over it. It's time to face the facts. Well, this defense, man, this is where I'm going to start with this team. This defense, over the first six games, have been pretty much bad, really bad, actually. They're giving up 28 points a game, and I swear Jim Schwartz does not adjust. He doesn't adjust one bit, one bit. And my biggest, my biggest point or biggest like like evidence from that is it's Claypool and the Rams. Chase Claypool went off three touchdowns. He had like 115 yards and like seven receptions. That's just receiving. He had another rushing touchdown as well. Finished with four touchdowns on the day. If you had him in fantasy that week, you 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 most likely won. And you can tell that he just didn't adjust because of the fact that he continued to score. Like you you couldn't they couldn't stop him no matter who they put on him. At some point you gotta double team the man. Like don't just have him one on one all the time, picking apart whoever was on him, whether it was Darius Slay or Jalen Mills or Nikel Ruby Coleman or Nate Gary for some reason. And in the Rams game, the Rams just did whatever they wanted on offense. They did whatever they wanted. They went in there, they went into the link and just absolutely punched the Eagles in the face and they had nothing to do with it. They had they quit from the first drive. After they got hit in the mouth, they quit. This first three weeks has been very bad, especially on third down. Like the third down conversion rate for teams right now after Thursday night is forty two percent. And forty two percent is actually the average. They're around fifteenth, they're around fifteenth in the league when it comes to that, but they always come at bad times. They always cannot get off the field at bad times. Most of their third down stops usually happen in the beginning of the game and then when the third quarter comes or the fourth quarter comes they don't stop anyone on third down. This defense is not opportunistic. This team is like the Ravens who force in two, three turnovers every week. But you get to this team, and yes, they've been taking the ball away more since the 49ers game. But at that point, they had they had before the, they had two interceptions through the first six games. Now it's three over the last seven. That's not good at all. You have to be able to get the football. You have to turn the ball over. And they're not getting fumbles either. And the linebackers, the linebackers are extremely bad. Man, I don't even know where to start with the linebackers. Turns out Jim Schwartz wanted Kenneth Murray in the first round, but how we shot that down, which I understand. 
you needed a receiver in the first round. Going with Ray Grover Jefferson probably right now is not looking like a great thing. Jefferson is arguably the rookie of the year at this point. Um, Rager, Rager's on the bench, on the sidelines, hurt with an injury. He's an eagle receiver. What's, what's new? But, yeah, these linebackers are terrible, man. Nate, Nate Gary cannot play. Nate Jerry Gary, whatever you want to call this. It doesn't matter. He can't play. He's really bad. In coverage, he's... I believe he's still giving up a perfect passer rate, you know, which, which, which sucks. It sucks. It sucks. Like, I hate watching the game and knowing that our linebackers are going to get torched. Our linebackers are always going to give up at least a couple plays that might be game-changing. You take 21 points off the board with the Rams if, well, not really, because Higby's second touchdown was against Nikhil Roby Coleman. But that's, that's something. That's... <laughs> He's bad in his own right. But Duke Riley, like, how could, how could you not go out and get, you know, some linebackers, just even some competent ones? They don't even have to be. They don't even have to be all pro-level linebackers. They just have to be starters. There's no reason that your linebackers are playing special teams. And, I, they're, not playing, and they're not playing special teams. Because they're that bad. They're literally playing special teams because they don't have any linebackers to play special teams. Like they don't have they they don't have enough linebackers on the roster, period. But the linebackers have just been truly bad. Nate Gary, Duke Riley. Sean Bradley has been okay when I seen him. Um Davion Taylor has just been he he can't get on the field at all. I swear his first Special team snaps have come in the last two games. Probably out of necessity because Duke Riley's been hurt. So then Alex Angleton has been a pleasant surprise when it comes to linebacker. Didn't really expect him to be anything, but every time he seems to be out there, he makes a play. Especially last night, he made a couple. Especially the, when he ran over Devontae Freeman and um pretty much hit Daniel Jones. He tackled both of them, essentially. It was nice to see him play. I was... I loved him in the preseason about two years ago. And ever since these linebacker issues have arisen, I've always been like, I've always been like, why don't we play Alex Singleton more? He got in the game because Duke Riley got hurt. But he should have been playing more. He is the most relentless linebacker on that team and will make plays. At least one or two a game. I swear Nate Gary don't make one. Like, he shouldn't be out there. As as much as I love Duke Riley on special teams, and I think he earned his keep as a special team teamer, he should just be on special teams. Nate Gary should just be on special teams. On good teams, they're on. They're they most likely play special teams. Teams with good linebackers, they'll play special teams. Not 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 here though. You, I don't want to say Howie doesn't value linebackers, but. According to reports, Jim Schwartz is the one who picks personnel for their defense. And if, if that's true, then which it is, which it is, because no one on that no one on that staff knows how to pick defensive players. That is an offensive-minded staff all the way. Jim Schwartz is the person who picks everything when it comes to defense. He has to be. You can tell because he has a lot of his he, he brings a lot of his guys to Philly, guys that he's coached before at one point or another. He drafted Darius Slay. 
which is which is good. He's a he's a really good corner. I'm not saying that he's bad or anything, but usually the guys we bring in are bad. Nikel Roby Coleman has been bad. Nigel Bradham was bad for majority of his time. I'm trying to think if there's any other like defensive lineman. I'm pretty sure that it is, but everyone that he seems to bring in that used to that he used to coach just hasn't been good. They're they're old now and they aren't as good as they used to be. The D line is another issue. Thirteen sacks in two games. They play Cincy, a terrible Cincinnati line, and a banged up San Francisco line. They got thirteen sacks in two games. I would scroll through Insta my Instagram and all these other and Twitter and other platforms and See how people, how Eagles pages would be just, oh, this defensive line is really good. They're elite. They came to play. No, they had 13 sacks in two games. They had 17 at the point where they led the league. I believe that was like before week five started. Now, since then, they've got, they had two sacks over the next two games. They had two sacks over the next two games. And, excuse me, two sacks over the next two games. And Thursday, they had three. So they had five sacks. Over the last three games, that's, that's almost, what, one and a half a game? You got to get to the quarterback more. If you want to be considered elite, especially when you have the highest payroll for a defensive line, you got to get to the quarterback more. You have to. It's not It's not even, it's not, it's not debatable at this point. Like, you're paying three defensive tackles. Malik Jackson is hurt again. Javon Hargrave didn't start the season. Fletcher Cox, he's been a shell of a mold self in terms of being a pass rusher. He's still disruptive, but he just doesn't get to the quarterback anymore. Um, Derek Barnett, I've said it a long time ago, and I'll say it again. He is not a starter. He is a situational pass rusher. He is just not that. He's not that good. I do believe that Josh Sweat is better than he is. Maybe not against the run, but as a pass rusher, as a pass, if I have... If I have to put my four best pass rushers out on the field at one time from this group, Derek Barnett would not be out there. He wouldn't be. He might be He might be the first one off the bench. I'd actually keep him in that first one off the bench role. But as to, in terms of a starter and getting to the quarterback, I do think if, if Josh Sweat got the snaps that he got, he'd outdo him. He would I believe Josh Sweat has more sacks than Barnett on the season. I'm not 100% sure, but I believe he does. I believe he is. It's not, it's not about much. It's not about much, but it's, I believe he does have more sacks. And he, he shows up when he needs to. I swear Derek Barnett only, the only time I usually see Derek Barnett get a sack is if he's going, he has to be going up either against a really bad tackle or he's going up against, or he's going up against a tight end. I've seen way too many times where he gets, yeah, he makes the play. He gets a sack, and he might even get a sack fumble. But he's going up against a tight end. If that was the tackle, he wouldn't have did that. It's just frustrating. There's no playmakers on this defense. There's no young talent. There's not one person you could point to on that defense and be like, oh, man, he's going to be a stud. It's not. There's not one. Not that linebacker, not that tackle, not that DN, not that safety, not that corner. Nowhere. I mean... Kayvon Wallace could be pretty good, but he's a fourth-round pick, and guess what? He's hurt, too. So, then, 
in terms of people that are now playmakers, in terms of playmakers, you don't have any. Darius Slay is your best playmaker. He has, what, no picks, no fumble recoveries, no forced fumbles. Granted, people are not really throwing the Slay, which is good, but Slay usually, the good ones get, the good ones get interceptions. The great ones get interceptions. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Switch to the offense. Talked enough about the defense. Okay, Carson Wentz. Carson, Carson, Carson. Carson has to be one of the most inconsistent players that I've ever laid my eyes on. Some games, he's fantastic. He makes amazing plays. Other games, he's just putrid. It's poor. He, his first three games were bad. He had a, I won't say three games. How many quarters is it? Four. His first ten quarters, his the his first out of his first twelve quarters, ten of them were terrible. He had a really good first half in the game against Washington. After that, it was it was bad. The interception again again the first interception the one he threw to Rager, which was his fault. <laughs> That one was his fault. I don't blame the second one he threw in Washington on him. I blame that one on Giant Hightower, who did not come back for the ball. If he came back for the ball, it would have been incomplete. He ran and he ran the route lazy. He gave the DB. The DB knew what the route was as soon as he came off the line. He ran it like he was running the, like he was running a comeback route. You have to make everything look the same. If you don't make everything look the same, it's not going to work. But Carson has been playing really well the last three games. The last three games have been really good. Really good. He battled he battled against he battled against Pittsburgh. He battled against the Ravens. You can tell the difference between a team that has heart and a team that doesn't based off of how they react to when they're getting blown out. The Eagles were getting blown out twice. They came back both times. They came back both times. It didn't it didn't you can call it garbage time, which it was. Most of them stats, just like same with Fulton, most of his stats are garbage time stats. The good ones are usually garbage time, but you can't you can't deny the fight that he showed. You can't. Prime example: the Cowboys laid down against the against the Cardinals. They was getting blown out. They was getting smacked, and they laid down. They laid down. They laid down. They rolled over, and they took it, and they took it deep. He was gonna do that, and that goes to show the fight and the coaching and things like that. Like there's, when the Eagles are on, they're on. Like when they're, the Eagles go with Carson and Doug, and when them two are on, the Eagles are on. The offense is on. But when they're not, it's it, it's hard to watch. It's really hard to watch. Like like. You can ask, you can ask, um, CC, do you love me? I stopped watching, I stopped watching the game. I stopped watching Thursday night after the quarter, like after, after the touchdown, after the touchdown to Sterling Shepard, I stopped watching. I stopped watching. Stopped watching. I turned on the game, started playing the game. Cause I, I couldn't watch it. It was hard to watch. They couldn't get nothing going on offense. The defense couldn't get off the field. It was bad. It's like, ain't no point in me watching this. They about to lose. But the fight that this team shows is just, it's amazing. Like, Carson let a perfect, 
last two drives, I went back and NFL Network was replaying the game. So I re I rewatched that that last the last couple minutes. Everything that after everything after I missed, I rewatched it or I watched it. And Carson was good. He was good. Throws were on time. Throws were on point. He was hitting people. Great throws to throw to John Hightower. Perfect right in his lap. Finally, he's 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 gaining confidence. He's catching balls. The throw to Richard Rodgers that ended up going for like thirty yards. Running, he scrambled to the right, threw it downfield on the run. Perfect, right in his hands. Then the throw to Boston Scott was a beauty. You can't teach that. That's something you can't teach. He has a gift that you can't teach. He always wants to make the play. Always. And that's that's just something you're going to have to live with. It's the reason he doesn't throw the ball away. It's the reason he throws interceptions like the one he did against the Giants. There was no reason he was getting chased. He, he spun out of a sack. You, you turned a negative play. You turned a play that should have been a negative into a positive and made it a negative again. Because you just couldn't dump the ball out of bounds. You just couldn't throw it out of bounds. Just throw it right out of bounds. It's right there. It's not going to hurt. He lobbed it up into triple coverage. It was three giants there. It was one eagle there, and he threw it beyond him. And I'm okay if that ball goes out the back of the end zone, but it didn't. But it didn't. If it went out the back of the end zone, we wouldn't be having this conversation, but it didn't. So he threw it up, and James Bradbury came down with it. He shouldn't have threw that ball. He knew he shouldn't have threw that ball. We all know he shouldn't have threw that ball. Pretty sure he won't go back and look at the tape and be like, I shouldn't have threw that ball. He knows he shouldn't have threw it. Probably not in the moment, because that's just who he is. He has to He has to get the big play. He's pressing, which is something that they use, the word that they use a lot. I don't like it. I hate when I hear it. I hate when I hear he's pressing. It makes me think that he's overthinking things. Which he might be, because there's, there's too many cooks in the kitchen. There's too many cooks in the kitchen. I understand that Doug is... He probably has been real stubborn to change since he won the Super Bowl. You could say the same thing with Howie. You could say the same thing with Alshon. They've been really stubborn since they won their Super Bowl. They're going to play how they play, and that's it. Jim Schwartz has always been like that. I refuse to believe that just because he won a Super Bowl, he's not going to change what he do. He's always been like that, in my opinion. Always. No matter if it's working or not. I will always say the one time I've seen Jim Schwartz adjust was against the Packers last year in Lambeau. Devontae Adams went off. He had like, I believe he got hurt at the end of the second quarter. This man had like 180 in the second quarter. He had like 10 catches for 180 yards. He didn't have no touchdown. And he had 10 catches for like 180 yards. And that was the only time I ever seen him adjust. He went from one high safety to two. He put two safeties back there. That was the only time I seen him adjust. But back to back to Carson and the offense. He needs to cut down on the turnovers. I'm sorry. He needs to. Fumbling hasn't been as big of an issue as I thought it would be this year because it's usually the fumbles and not the interceptions. But this year it's the other way around. The fumble against the fumble against the Ravens don't really count. I don't. It doesn't count in terms of him protecting the football as a quarterback because he was a runner at that point. At that point, that could have been that could have been Miles Sanders to Sean Jackson. 
Greg Ward. That could have been anybody. That could have been any one of them. They held him up and stripped him. This that could have been any one of them. I don't put that one on him. But in terms of the interceptions, they're just not. They're not all. He he needs to cut down on them. Like some of them, he can get away with because most of them might not have been his fault. Like for example, like I said, the one against Washington, I don't think was his fault. The second one against Washington, I don't think was his fault. Um, the first one definitely was. Um, he threw a couple. The the two against Pittsburgh, I don't think, I don't think can really count. I think the first one was really on Zachers, and the second one was just a throw it deep down the field because you trying to get the ball away. Against the Rams, I don't, I don't remember which ones. Was his fault or not? Um, against Baltimore, not Baltimore. Against Cincinnati, Cincinnati, I believe both of them, both of the interceptions he threw in that game were his fault. Especially, definitely the second one. But I would have to go back. I would have to go back and watch, watch the games, or at least watch the replay of the interceptions to see if they were his fault or not. But. But the last one he threw, the one against the Giants, that that for sure was his fault. Those he has to cut, he has to cut out. I don't mind the ones where the receiver, where the receiver might drop the ball, and it bounces up, and then it's picked off, or it's tipped at the line, and it's picked off. It's tipped at the line and it's picked off. I just need him to, the but the ones that he can control, like the ones against Washington, the one the Rager, the first one. He missed. That ball should have been toward the sideline. That's a comeback route. That ball should have been toward the sideline. There was no reason he jumped. He, Rager had to jump, and it was behind him. He threw a high pass that was behind him when it should have been thrown toward the sideline. I'd rather you miss short than miss high. Like, miss low. Carson misses high, which is the reason. If he misses, he misses high. Always. Always. That's the reason he throw a lot of interceptions. That's the reason. Like, he's going to throw more. If he continues to miss high, he's going to throw more, especially going over the middle. If you miss high over the middle, it's picked off 100% of the time. If it's a safety back there, you're picked off 100% of the time if you miss high. It's okay on the sideline. It's okay to miss high on the sideline because the ball might go out of bounds. But if you miss a high in the middle, yeah, it's going to get picked off all the time. He needs to be more accurate. And one thing that I need, one thing that I will say about him is that he fights. If I didn't make that clear before, he's a fighter. But he is. He needs to be more accurate on screen plays. This is the reason they don't call him. This is the reason Doug doesn't call him anymore. The little screen passes, the little swing passes. The reason he doesn't call him that much anymore is because Carson can't throw him. Every time it's, it's either in the dirt or it's right behind them. Like I, I don't remember who, I don't remember what team it was against. But he threw a swing pass. He was supposed to throw a swing pass that was going to go to Miles Sanders. He hit, if he puts it anywhere near Miles Sanders' hands or body or arms or head, he catches it. It was no one there. It was nobody there. It was a good play call. Carson just missed. He just missed the throw. He threw it at his feet. This plays where Carson comes out, where Miles Sanders comes out the backfield, and 
easy dump off. Carson overthrows him. Ten feet over his head. There's nobody there. He's had way too many of those. And at this point, he has a 58 points as career or completion percentage. That's a career low. He has a 50.5 QBR. That's a career low. He has a 3.6 interception ratio. That is a career high. He's been sacked 28 times, which isn't necessarily his fault. Some of it is, some of it isn't. But he's been sacked 28 times. That's the league high. To put it in perspective, he was sacked 28 times in 2017. And that was in 13. He played 13 games in 2017. He's played half of that. And he's been sacked 28 times. At that point, he's going to be sacked 42 times. And at that rate, he'll be sacked. By the time he plays the 13 games, he'll be sacked 20, 42 times. I'm not sure my math is right. But it's something like that. But... Or is it 56? So 56 times. I think he's on pace to get sacked like 66 times this year. I think he's on pace to get sacked around that much. That's the line. But the line has been hurt. But then this segues me into Howie Roseman, Mr. Howie Roseman. And how he has failed the Eagles, he's failed Jim Schwartz, he's failed. Doug Peterson, he's failed Carson Wentz, he's failed us as fans, he's failed ownership. And like I said, it's because I believe that that Super Bowl made him cocky. I believe that it made him stubborn to change and to do the things that he should do. There's been all these reports about Howie being the one who was the reason they drafted Jalen Hurts instead of Jeremy Chen. Now, Jeremy Chen is a defensive player of the year, defensive rookie of the year candidate. It's the reason why the Eagles didn't. He he's the reason. He's the reason why Greg Ward didn't play for forever because he the one who has control over whether who suits up, who's inactive or not. Really, really, Howie? No, that's no, that's not your job. That is not your job. Your job is to scout players, find players, and make this team better. Not decide who dresses on game day. That's that's the coach's decision. That is 100% the coach's decision. Doug Peterson, Jim Swartz, Marty Morningwake, Rich Gangarello, those guys. Those guys make those decisions on who dresses, not you. Come on. You don't make those decisions, Howie. You know you're not supposed to make those decisions. Then you don't tell them until the weekend. You don't tell them until the day before the game when you tell them you're going to tell them on Wednesday. I don't know if that report is true, but if it is, you're leaving your coaches out to dry. You, you, they don't know who's dressing. You tell them you want to tell them on Wednesday. Oh, yeah, I tell you on Wednesday. I got you by Wednesday. It's like the person who's, who owe you money. Like, like, how you going? How how you going to tell the person you, you you be frustrated if if some random person, not random person, but if some guy you know asks you for money and you give it to him, and every time you see him, he gonna tell you, oh no, I got you. He said, I got you on Wednesday. You gotta pay your bills. You gotta pay something. You need that money by you need that money by Friday. You need that money by Wednesday. He said, oh, I got you on Wednesday. He don't give it to you till Saturday. 
Now you can't get your car fixed. Now you can't pay your rent. Granted, that's probably not you because you're probably making a lot of money. Howie probably making a lot of money to the point where he ain't got to worry about that. But you still be mad if somebody who said they owed you, if somebody owed you money and said they'll give it to you by Wednesday, and they don't give it to you by Wednesday. You be you be mad. You be heated. You be frustrated, ready to fight them. I'm pretty sure that's how the coaches feel. It has to. There's no way. There's no way. This man, some of the things that he's done over the years have pissed me off and made me extremely angry. Extremely angry. He has done by far the worst job ever at surrounding Carson with reliable talent. I'm not even going to say talent period or elite talent or superstar talent. I'm reliable talent. Guys who can get on the field. Deshaun Jackson and Alshon are always hurt. They're always hurt. Granted, Deshaun just came back and he's hurt again, but that's not his fault. That was a dirty hit, so I'm not going to blame that on him. That hit he took on that punt return after he was already down, after taking a shot, that was dirty. So I'm not going to blame that one on him. But you pass on DeAndre Hopkins. You pass on getting Brandon Cooks. You pass on trading for Stephon Diggs. You pass on trading all these guys. Like, for example, DeAndre Hopkins. I am pretty sure you did not want to trade Miles Sanders to get DeAndre Hopkins. And I'm pretty sure that's who they were asking for. I wouldn't have did that either. But I wouldn't give him a first-round pick. For DeAndre Hopkins, especially when you thought you were supposed to be the class of the NFC, if you were in win, if you were truly in win now mode, I would have gave up a first round pick. The Patriots don't care about first round picks. The New England Patriots do not care about first round picks because they know they will be in it all the time. Every year they'll know they'll be in it. So if you really are in win now mode, first round pick shouldn't matter. Trade that first round pick. I know you understand. Yeah, it's got value, but how much value is that first round pick going to have when you got one of the best receivers in the league? It's not. There is no way that that first-round pick, especially if it's in the 20s, especially if you plan on making the playoffs like you say you are, making a run, and you and that pick is in the 20s, you really think that player is going to have a better year than DeAndre Hopkins? No. Is that player going to have a better year than Brandon Cooks? No. Is that player going to have a better year than Stephon Diggs? No. You go out and get him a start receiver to work with. Carson, the best receiver Carson has played with was Alshon, and that was in 2017. And Alshon played hurt. Ever since then, Alshon hasn't been the same. And Carson hasn't had a receiver up at that level ever in his career. I would love to see what I would love to see how Carson's stats will change and how better he'll play if he had a Julio Jones. If he had a Allen Robinson, just a number one, not even not even a stud, not even a superstar, not even an elite receiver, just a number one, just a guy he can count on. You see how good he is with Fogel? He, he trusts Fogel. Carson is really good with Fogel. I would have kicked the tires on Josh Gordon. He's better than what you had, especially at that point. He's a lot better than what you had. I can understand why you didn't want to go after Antonio Brown. Nobody knew who was paying him. He had the sexual assault allegations. I believe he had the, the domestic violence allegations. 
I, I understand that. So I'm not even going to bash him for doing that. Oh, but the yellow four guys that I mentioned? Yes, yes. I will bash him every day of the week for that. That is his fault. It is his fault. He hasn't been able to surround Carson with elite weapons. Yeah, you can say Zach Ertz is an elite tight end, but is he? Is he? He's not as good as Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, especially not this year. There's a whole lot of players that's better than him this year. Everyone is better than him this year. He's been putrid. He's been bad. Zach Ertz has been bad. Then Dallas Goddard is hurt, just like everyone else is. He he's he's failed to address, and he's also failed to address this old line, which is why Carson is taking a beating every week. I don't know those stats for sure, but it seems like he's taking at least five, six hits a game. The elite O-linemen, the elite offensive lines, their quarterback don't get touched. Even the okay offensive linemen, offensive line, their quarterback might get hit five, six times. It seems like Carson is getting hit five, six times to drive. He's getting hit five, six times a drive. Not 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 a game. Not in a game. Not total in a drive. The Bills just released Quentin Spain. Kick the tires. Go talk to him. Josh Klein, Minnesota. Go talk to him. Those guys have been released or didn't get re-signed during the offseason. Go talk to him. They're a lot better than Sua Opeta. And Nate Herbig and Matt Pryor, especially Jamon Brown. I don't know why they resigned him. I would have, when he got cut, he would have been cut, and I would have somebody else. I would have grabbed somebody else. I would have called someone else extremely fast. He looked like he never played NFL football before that day, and he was the most experienced person on the line that day against the Ravens. He was the most experienced person on the line, besides Jason Kelsey, and he looked terrible. He looked bad. He looked like he never played before. You can tell he was sitting on his couch. You can tell. Then the backup running back situation has been... Miles Sanders is your number one guy. They don't treat him like he is. Doug Peterson doesn't call plays for him like he is. But he's he's your number one guy. And you felt that somebody behind him. You thought Boston Scott and Corey Clement, who hasn't played since 2017, really... Was okay. Boston Scott is not. Boston Scott is a change of pace, third down, screen back. You're not giving Boston Scott 10 carries a game. You're not. You're not. You're not going to spell Miles Sanders and give him a few carries. You should have just paid the money for Carlos Hyde, paid the money that he was asking for. Now, look, you got a guy who's on the bench who's been a starter and who's been good. Carlos Hyde has been good. Carlos Hyde is now buried on the depth chart in, in Seattle because you couldn't, you didn't give him the extra couple dollars that he was looking for. But you caved to Jason Peters. You, you gave Jason Peters an extra mil just for him to be bad at left tackle. He was okay first game. First couple games, but then after that, he looked overwhelmed. He looked overwhelmed. He was it was bad. He's just not as as athletic as these DNs are nowadays. 
He's just not as good. He's not as good as he was. He's really, really not as good. He failed to bring in linebacker help. I understand I said earlier that Jim Schwartz probably is the one who brings in or who suggests personnel for linebackers, right? So, but at some point, like you did with the draft, like you did with Jalen Hurts, you have to put your foot down. Go get you a linebacker. You already cut LG Fort, who didn't fit the scheme last season. Now look at him. Playing really well in Baltimore. Like, go, go call Wesley Woodyard or Deron Lee or Darren Lee. Darren Lee, yes, he was a bust. He was a bust, but I can promise you he's better than what you have now. Wesley Woodyard is a vet who was really good at one point. Go get him. I don't care how old he is. You kept Nigel Wright on for all them years. When you should have got rid of him. Go call Wesley Woodyard. Promise you. I promise you he's going to be a lot better than what you have now. <laughs> Need Gary. Okay. And let's get into these drafts. How we cannot draft. I don't know who was over. I don't know who was overseeing. I don't know who told him he was good at it. He's not. And I put that failure on Jeffrey Lurie for letting it go so long. I put it for Jeffrey Lurie for letting it go so long. Go hire somebody else to help that man. Please go hire somebody to help him. He do not know what he's doing. He doesn't. This man, Howie Roseman, took. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside over D.K. Metcalf. D.K. Metcalf is currently Seattle's number one receiver. He's a lot better than whatever you have right now. He's a lot better than what you had then. So what? D.K. was hurt coming out of college. So what? He only ran three, four routes. So what? J.J. Ortega-Whiteside can't even get on the field. He can't do one thing right. He can't do one thing right. He drafts Derek Barnett over Marlon Humphreys and TJ Watt. Two perennial defensive player of the year candidates. Marlon Humphreys is one of the best cornerbacks in the league. He's up there. He is top five. He is that good. TJ Watt as an edge rusher, top five. It's funny because last season, T.J. Watt had as many sacks as Derek Barnett did in his career. T.J. Watt last year had 14.5 sacks, I believe, and had that is as many as Derek Barnett had at that point in one season. In one season. And I don't want to hear that he's an outside linebacker and Derek Barnett is a DN because guess what? They're the same size. They are the same height. They are the same weight. T.J. Watt is just more athletic. A lot more athletic. Then I already mentioned the Hurts over Jeremy Chin thing. Like I said, I, he would have got killed. Howie would have got killed if he selected Kenneth Murray or Patrick Queen instead of Jalen Rager. He would have got killed. He had to take a receiver in the first round. But taking Jalen Hurts over Jeremy Chin, was, that was dumb. For a gadget player, for a guy that's going to see 10 Snaps, maybe, again, maybe. No, get you a guy. You didn't have any safeties either, so 
you really thought Jalen Mills was going to be able to switch to safety? He was bad at safety. He's been bad at corner. Jalen Mills is a fan favorite. I love Jalen Mills. But there's no way. There is no way. He there is no way he is starting for this team next year. No way. No way. It can't be. You have to get better. I don't you probably you can't pay anybody because your inability to drive puts you in cap hell, so you can't pay nobody. Can't pay anyone. Can't pay any free agent. So you're gonna have to draft. And that's something that he's proven that he cannot do. I'm going to throw it back a little bit. How about Danny Watkins? Remember him? He wanted to be a firefighter. He didn't want to be a football player. His heart wasn't in playing football. His heart was in fighting fighters. And thank you, because we need firefighters. We need people to do that job. But don't pose as a football player. If you wanted to fight fires, why'd you enter the draft? Why? And shame on Howie for not, shame on Howie for, for not seeing that. For not talking to people about that. Guess who he took? Guess who went next? Cam Jordan. Saints pass rusher. Best pass rushers in the league. Guess what? He's still playing. He's still playing. And I believe this was, what, 2011? He's still playing. Playing well, too. Really well. His, his poor drafting isn't new. Howie's poor drafting isn't new. He's been doing this for a long time. I can't name one player who's made an all-pro team. Or an all-NFL team. Or whatever it is. I can't name one player. Jason Kelsey. Fletcher Cox. Yeah. Okay. That's two. That was a first-round pick. Great. You hit out the park, Fletcher Cox. Really good. He's a very good defensive tackle. I wouldn't say he's the second-best defensive tackle in the league anymore because he was for the last couple years. Aaron Donald's, lo and behold, number one by far, always. He's going to be number one. Then you think about him drafting Brandon Graham over... I believe he traded up to get Brandon Graham over Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas is Earl Thomas is going to the Hall of Fame. I don't think Brandon Graham is going to the Hall of Fame. I understand Brandon Graham is a fan favorite. I love BG too. I do. I love BG too. He is an amazing personality. He is an amazing person on and off the field. I met him once. An amazing person. He had no problem. I asked for a picture. He had no problem. No problem. Giving me, taking a picture with me. No problem. He's an amazing person. But you telling me you wouldn't rather have a Hall of Famer in your secondary who could have held it down? I don't care who you had at that time. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure when he was drafted, that was around the year that Daylight Brian Dawkins walked. So you needed a safety. And you don't take Earl Thomas? Texas. You don't take Earl Thomas out of Texas? Like I said, Earl Thomas is going to be a Hall of Famer one day. Doesn't matter how his career ends. He might have to wait a little bit. This might tarnish it. That's why having a T.O. Because he wasn't such a great teammate. That's the reason why he waited so long. Which was dumb in the first place. But 
He might have to wait a little bit. He might have tarnished his legacy with what happened in Baltimore this year. But he's a Hall of Famer. What can you say? He's a Hall of Famer. Carson, maybe, was all pro or all NFL that year. I think he was. I think he was second team. 2017, I think he was second team all pro. Um, Miles Sanders might end up being all pro. I can't think of nobody on this draft class or last draft class that might be an all pro besides Miles. These last two draft classes gave given the Eagles nothing. Miles Sanders is hurt. So nothing. Nothing. Andre Diller was supposed to be good. Play in the Pac-12. There's no defense in the Pac-12. None at all. No one comes out the Pac-12. It's been a while since a really good player has come out the Pac-12. The Forrest Buckner is the last one. It's a while ago. 2015, 2016? Don't quite remember. Somewhere around that time. Forrest Buckner was really good. Really good defensive tackle. He was really good last year with the 49ers, and he's really good this year with the Colts. Last great person to come out of that team or that the Pac-12, the West Coast. Stay from out of there. Stop drafting over there. You're an SEC guy yourself, Howie. You went to Florida. Graduated from Florida. And you love the West Coast for some reason. You love getting these Stanford receivers that can't get on the field. These offensive tackles. These Washington State offensive tackles. That can't do that. That Honestly, he might not he might not be mentally fit to play in the NFL. Throwing fits, crying, cause he got into a little scuffle with Derek Barnett. It's football. That's gonna happen. Learn. Learn from it. Get better from it. Be better. I can't even say that he should go to the SEC because he can't pick the right players from the SEC. Like I said, Derek Barnett. You picked Derek Barnett. SEC, Tennessee. Broke Reggie White's tag record. Took him a whole hell of a lot more games. But he did it. Yep, he did it. You don't drive for production. You don't. You drive for potential. I'm sorry. Usually the best prospects give you both. That's why they go one and two and three. Top five, top ten maybe. You drive on potential. You draft on production, they they try to draft on production, what happened? Donnell Pumphrey, league leader in FBS history in rushing yards. He can't play in the NFL. He's out of the NFL. Didn't take him long either. In a draft that had a whole bunch of running backs, in a draft that had probably the, a whole bunch of running backs, Alvin Kamara went in that draft. I think that was the Saquon draft. I'm not 100% sure, but that draft was stacked with running backs, and you took the one that couldn't play. There's a reason. There's a reason he was still there. I can promise you, if he looked like Saquon, if he looked like Alvin Kamara, if he was that, if he was built like that, he would have went one. He would have went one. There's a reason. There's a reason he stayed in school. It's the reason he had the option to break that record. You don't draft guys based off production. You draft guys based off potential. 
Like JJ Ortega White, so I don't know. You 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 drafted him because he was Alshon two point apparently. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. He was not that good. He was not that good at all. You drafted him because he can catch jump balls, and he can't even do that. He can't even get on the field to do that. I'm sorry, he's catching all the heat. I apologize to him, but he deserves it. How we draft a bunch of guys who can't play? You draft a pro- project in the third round when you could have had Logan Wilson or Willie Gay or Akeem Gaithers, uh, Hicks Gaithers. I forgot what his name is. But you could have, instead of drafting Logan, instead of, instead of drafting them, instead of drafting Davion Taylor, yeah, he's fast, but can he play linebacker? No, he's raw. You don't take a player like that then. Fifth round, sixth round, cool. I don't care. That's when you take those guys. You don't take them in the third round. You take a guy who is going to be a role player immediately and a maybe maybe a fringe starter in the third round. Those first those first and second round guys should produce immediately. Those third round guys, they should be producing next year. They should be producing next year. Davion Taylor probably won't produce for another two or three. Why? Because he's a project. You have to mold him and shape him. He's not a linebacker yet. He's an athlete. Special teams, those were those were the athletes thrive special teams. He might end up being a really, really good special teams player. Good job, Howie. He might make the Pro Bowl as a special teams player. Just because he's that athletic and that fast and that good on special teams. He might be that good on special teams. Again, he might make all pro, but as a special teamer, do they even have those positions? Special team offensive, special team all pro, do they even have those? Good job, Howie. You drafted a pro bowl special teamer. It's going to take him a while to get there in the third round. You drafted a special teamer in the third round. The best special teamers are undrafted guys. Matthew Slater has been in the league forever. Special teamer, undrafted. Chris Maragos, I believe, was either a late-round pick or undrafted when you add him. Great special teamer. One of the best special teamers in the league. In his prime, if you can call it that. He didn't play defense, but he made his name known on special teams. He always made that tackle. He was always in the right spot. Hopefully, that could be Davion Taylor. Yep, hopefully, that can be him. Now, if you knock this pick out the park and he becomes this stud middle linebacker, he becomes Deion Jones... Cool, how you'll get your props for it. You'll get your props for it. But you don't take projects in the third round. You don't. You could have got him in the fifth round or the sixth round. People out here that have fifth round grades on him. Fifth round. Fifth round. Fifth round grades. And you took him in the third. Come on, man. You know, you know, remember Taylor Hart? Defensive tackle turned offensive tackle. Chip Kelly. Somebody talked him out of taking him in the third round. Chip Kelly wanted him in the third round. Guess what? Somebody talked him out of it. People can't do that with Howie. Why would you take him? Why would you take a project when you had Logan Wilson, who was a whole lot better as a linebacker and is looking really good in Cincinnati? Really good. He'd have been looking good in Eagles Green, too. No. We're not in the business of drafting good players. We're in the business of drafting projects. 
and guys that fit the scheme rather than guys who are just good. Just because you fit the scheme don't make you good. It doesn't. J.J. Ortega Whiteside fits the scheme or fits a role in the scheme. He's not good. Just because he fits a mold doesn't mean he's good. Ask Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly was all about prototypes and how you looked. That doesn't make you good. It doesn't. I wanted to get to Doug today. Yeah, I'm going to touch on Doug. I'm going to touch on Doug just a little bit before we get out of here. Doug has been very inconsistent with his play callings. I have not liked the the two-point conversions the last couple games. They have been poor. They have been bad. Every time they get down there and they go for two, it's been a quarterback run. And why? Same thing with the red zone. Every time I get into the red zone, I'm like, just spread them out and run five wide. Especially against a team like the Ravens, they're going to bless you. They're going to bless you. Put more people out there than they can cover. They're going to bless you. Force them to do something that they don't do. Force the linebackers in the coverage. Go across the middle. Run routes across the middle. I haven't seen that. And the one time that I did see it, it was almost picked off. Carson didn't see the corner come down on Deshaun. I don't remember what game that was. It was either it was either Thursday or against the Ravens. But when I see him down in the red zone, they always running routes to the to the corners, to this to the sideline. No one no one's across the middle. No one runs across the middle. And then when they do score, if they do score, they they run quarterback runs. It hasn't worked. Why do you continue to run it? Then work with Jalen Hurts. It didn't work with Carson Wentz. Why why run it? Why do you continue to run it? Why? Carson's first touchdown, the run, that was the same play as the two-point conversion that they failed on. It almost fell there. But you was playing the Giants. Not the Ravens. Why call that play? Why, Doug? You telling me that you ran? And then in the press conference, he said he ran out of two-point conversion plays. What? How? How do you run out of plays? Don't you practice these? You're telling me y'all only practice three, four plays? Don't y'all practice these situations? No, I'm pretty sure you've done more than read options and speed options and pick plays. I'm pretty sure you did more than that. And rollouts, I'm pretty sure you did more than that. I'm pretty sure you have more than that. Like, I understand. I understand that Zachers wasn't in, and he's probably your best red zone target at this point, but... But... You telling me you could you don't have more than three blades in the red zone? You don't have more than four blades inside the two? You don't? Alright, 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 that. Seems like he always schemes open. Like this the first fifteen games, the scripted plays are always good. They go down the field, they might score. Especially on Thursday. Last two games probably not so much. But Thursday, yeah. They went right down the field and scored. Then after that, it was it was a struggle then the rest of the game. Also, I think he he does he's been doing a lot to just prove that he's not not conservative, that he's still aggressive. He's trying to prove he is trying to prove that more than anything. And it, it frustrates me when he does. 
Because the just play the game. Like you don't have to go for two every time you score a touchdown. You don't. We know you're aggressive. We know you're aggressive. Chill, like kick the field goal, get the points. And maybe it's not wrong with Jake Elliott because he's been missing, but maybe he knows something that we don't know, but hey, we don't know that. And until he tells us, this is what's gonna happen. Stop going for two when you don't have to. Stop chasing points. I understand it's the Ravens, but you scored a touchdown. We'll kick the field goal. You don't need to go for two. Like I said, like you arguably would have won won the game if you just played the game. You arguably you might have had the lead when you got when you gave the ball back when you kicked the ball back. And just trust your defense, because they're not gonna run. I promise you, they're not gonna run. They're gonna throw that ball. It was. Minute and some change left, maybe. They're going to try to go down the field, and they're going to try to throw that ball. Force Lamar into doing something he's not comfortable doing. Throwing the football. But no, we want to chase points in the beginning of the game for no reason. Hey, I don't get paid to make these decisions. I don't. I'm not going to say that I can. I could try. I could try, and I damn sure do it for free. I could try. Hey, but like I said, I don't get paid to make these decisions. If they, if I, I don't want them to win the NFC East. Getting playoff experience for Carson is a must. But like I, I just hope Jeffrey Lurie has his mind made up. I hope that he say, "Oh man, we're not good, and this is the player personnel's fault." This is the person, the head of player personnel. That is his fault. It is Howie Roseman's fault. Yes, Doug has been inconsistent. Yes, Carson has been inconsistent. Carson has been downright bad at points. But you see what he can do when he has people around him or when he trusts guys. He's good. Howie's the only person who I don't have faith in to fix themselves. You know what I mean? Like... He's the only person who I don't have faith in to bring it back. Because he, he's proven time and time again that he can't draft. Or that he reads the room wrong sometimes. And he makes terrible decisions like that. Given, guaranteeing Alton's contract for this year. You could have cut him after this year. But no, nah, you guaranteed his money. Now you can't cut him. And if you do cut him, that's what, $20 million in dead cat? You gotta pay him. So, I believe this 2-4-1 start is on Howie, is solely on Howie Roseman. He put together a bad team, a bad roster. Can't really, you don't plan for injuries, but even if they weren't hurt, they probably still wouldn't have been that good. So, I digress, man. I gotta get out of here. I am Moolah Mir Mir Moolah. Signing off for Sib the Kid and CC, do you love me? This has been Sports with the Dorks. Enjoy the rest of your day, evening, night, early morning, whenever you're listening to this. Love you guys. Peace.